Hello and welcome to the Wednesday Woo Woo Show. We're your hosts today and spiritual sisters, Sam and Jeline. Woo Woo is a word that divides opinion. It has a deeper meaning to us both as a cornerstone of holistic health and wellness and as wellness practitioners. But what is it and why is it both controversial and important to consider now? Each week we'll get to explore what it means to others and we'll all get to know Woo Woo with love, fun and compassion. Our health needs are unique to us and our podcast will demonstrate there is a lid for every pot. You'll be glad you joined us today, so get yourself comfortable because you wouldn't want to miss the message that was just meant for you. We are hopeful you will enjoy this episode. Please share the podcast and put on notifications so that you never miss an episode. Don't forget to like and share in your network so that more people can benefit from the podcast conversations. Curious? Then join us every Wednesday for a whole heap of woo-woo. Our guest today is a speaker, teacher, coach, and founder of Happy Life Habits. He is passionate about the science of happiness, how positive habits help to rewire the brain, and the importance of practicing happiness habits and well-being in our everyday lives. His mission is simple, to promote positive impacts, happiness, and well-being levels so that individuals, groups, communities, and companies can engage with life in a happier, kinder, effective, and meaningful way. Our podcast discussion today is about happiness and well-being. Welcome, Shailene Shah, to the Wednesday Woo Woo Show. Shailene, we're so very, very glad that you could join us today. Welcome. Now, thank you, and I'm very grateful for the opportunity to take part in podcast and I had the opportunity to share the things that I love about happiness and well-being. Amazing. So obviously, Shailene, you've listened to some of our other podcasts. What we do is we always ask a fun fact question to all of our guests that come on. So our question for you is, as a happiness coach, what is the one thing that is guaranteed to always make you belly laugh? Always make me belly laugh? An episode of Friends? Always works a treat or a Robin Williams film. Which one? Yeah. I, actually, I, I love a lot of them. Uh, but uh, <laughs> Good Morning Vietnam's, you know, brilliant. Lots of yeah. fun scenes in there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, his just energy and improvisation and uh, comedy is just brilliant. Uh, yeah. That always works a treat. He was a very funny man, wasn't he? Yes. Mrs. Doubtfire, I think, is my, my favourite. Yes. okay brilliant so you come from an IT background and so from IT to happiness coach speaker and teacher tell us more about what that journey looked like for you absolutely yeah so uh, in in my early 20s um, I graduated from university in an IT course and took a job with a US-based consultancy firm and so that started that career and around the same time, I was exploring uh, my own faith in spirituality and getting involved with uh, an organization um, to help learn about um, the faith. So those two streams were happening at the same time. So there was a career path and there was a um, spiritual path. But also with that career path, at the same time, when I went to the US with the consultants firm, I got introduced to the book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Dr. Mm-hmm. Stephen Covey. Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, um, absorbed that book and loved it and really found it messages in there fantastic of how we can, you know, improve ourselves and improve our interactions with people and just be a lot more, a better version of ourselves. And, and, and it's all about, you know, creating habits. So habits was you know, a big part for me from there. And also during that time, I was, um, was working, working in the US and we'd booked uh, self and my fa- um, brothers and an uncle and a couple of cousins tickets for Tony Robbins Unleash the Power Weekend. So this was the second time he was coming to the UK. It was a, a, at a London Alexander Palace in you know, in November. He hadn't really been heard of so much in the UK in the you know, early, actually it was the early 90s at that mm. time. Mm. And so I was working in the US and 
took a flight back, landed Friday morning, went into the uh, Unleash the Power weekend. That Friday night, did a fire walk. That blew my mind. Two or three in the morning, we're all buzzing and chatting and saying how amazing this was and learned so much. And then uh, that four-day weekend happened and it was just so, so impactful. And then uh, the Tuesday, flying back to work in the States, but completely changed with um, my mindset and viewpoint. And that started my personal development journey. So Tony Robbins' course, The Seventh Habits, started the personal development, the spirituality was there. And I saw a sort of crossover and connection between the two. So I was learning. I was trying to apply some of the ideas there in my own life and also share those in the community work I did or in the workplace. And that is how it progressed. And as I was working, you know, it soon became clear to me that consultancy life wasn't for me, you know, always being around on the road or thereabouts. And I was missing my um, family and friends and connections and routines. So that helped reflect on what things were important and what, in a way, I guess, work-life balance meant to me. Mm -hmm. And so I shifted from consultancy to financial services from um, in London. And that, you know, uh, gave that a stability of not having, you know, traveling around, but still, you know, demanding work and so forth. And through that, eventually um, ended up working for uh, NatWest, just as it was getting taken over by Royal Bank of Scotland. So lots of change and turmoil there in terms of, you know, processes and systems and people. And, you know, you're seeing people on a regular basis, you know, leaving that environment. And through that, from a small team, you know, the team grew, there was, you know, integrations and stuff and so I learned a lot in working with people I learned a lot about integrating systems together but there was a point um, around the financial crisis so 2008 to 2010 Mm -hmm. where as I've progressed in that career from like a developer senior developer team lead technical lead project manager um, one of the things that did occur was I was put onto uh, a couple of projects which very demanding, very challenging, very hard deadlines, and maybe under-resourced in hindsight, but also my skill set wasn't at the level for me to perform the role I was performing. Mm-hmm. And I suffered work-related stress, so sleepless nights, um, not eating as properly, you know, racked with worry, and just, you know, feeling um, burnout and exhaustion and all of these things. And it, was, it wasn't just one project, because, you know, you can have one project where um, sometimes things are challenging, but it was over a period of time and that work-related stress then and you know with the whole work a culture changing did lead me to suffering from stress going to the GP and saying look this is what's happening they identified that stress I didn't know the stress at the time mm-hmm. what I was um, suffering and there was that as- aspect of not to even wanting to go into work because the brain wasn't working hadn't slept well wasn't able to talk to people you know sense of despair and that and really just I guess mild depression and, uh, and just that, you know, zest gone. And the GP uh, signed me off for a few weeks from the work environment. And that change helped of mm. not going into it. But it took a couple of days to just stop thinking about work, of, you know, what we were dealing with, what we needed to do and that, and just kindly, you know, um, step a step away from that. But what I did during that time was – go back to some of the things I'd learned before and focused on routines. So I went for walks. I went to the swimming, local swimming pool, went swimming. That helped with exercise. It helped with breathing. Um, I practiced gratitude. I practiced um, uh, volunteering. I did m- mindfulness and just, you know, stop thinking about the past, stop thinking about the future and just try to focus in on what was happening and, and even doing deep breathing. So some of the things that you'd heard about or come across before uh, in the past, started applying those and I felt a shift and a change and also reevaluating what things were important to me. So thinking about my mission, thinking about my goals, thinking about my values. And because when you've suffered from stress in the work environment and you are performing, your self-worth and your self-doubt kicks in, your self-worth gets knocked out the window and you you know feel you know uh, less worthy than you are. And I had to remind myself of the skills and the abilities and the things that I had accomplished both within the workplace and outside the workplace. And also through that process, it also made um, it clearer what were the things important to me. So relationships and a sense of connection was important. Volunteering was important. And, you know, community and giving um, to community. 
making sure that I'm exercising, eating sensibly, all of those things, self-care, and all of these things, and, and constantly learning as well. That, you know, uh, is a big factor for me. So all of those things, uh, you know, came to the, to the top of being. These are things which are important to me. These are things which are, you know, the big rocks for me. And that's then I focused on making sure those are the things that I was doing uh, on a regular basis, which nurtured me. And those are the things that I started sharing with others to say, you know, become aware of what's important to you, uh, what nurtures you, and make sure you're making time to do those things. And that, yeah, led to, to that journey of learning about happiness, learning about positive psychology. And I, I saw for myself initially with the personal development and spiritual, a lot of crossover and a lot of interrelation there. And so some of the things I was learning in the personal development techniques and the concepts I was sharing in the spiritual uh, aspects where I was volunteering to bring some of those ideas across and share those to make it accessible. And similarly, both of those tracks would keep telling me that happiness is what's important. And positive psychology came about and became aware of that. And then that um, led me to learning about the science of happiness. So in 2016, is when I left that career, the corporate career, left RBS. It was through redundancy. It was one where uh, I knew it was going to happen at some stage or another because the bank had to shrink uh, uh, in that manner. So it wasn't a complete shock, but it still uh, knocks you away when the role you played and what you had in the security all had gone suddenly. But Mm. um, uh, I took that opportunity to say, you know, got a fresh start, I got a reset. What uh, what are the things I enjoy doing? And I enjoyed, as as I've already shared, personal development, science of happiness, and spirituality. So, and that's what I was spending my time learning, doing, going to courses, reading about, um, going to workshops, and and sharing in some manner. So that um, said, why not what you're learning? Start sharing those things, um, you know, with workshops and talks and so forth. So I trained in the science of happiness. I did uh, training with the Greater Good Science Centre from University of Berkeley, who produced a lot of material on the science of happiness. And I trained with an organisation based in London called the Museum of Happiness. And both those trainings happened over a similar time period. And after that, it was like, yep, this is what's uh, there. It's the science being given to the practices that I already know. And were from the Eastern, uh, many um, Eastern philosophers say, these are things which can help you, you know, mindfulness and meditation and gratitude and forgiveness and compassion and kindness. And it's like, it was like just, wow, the science is now saying this is, you know, what can benefit you. And so that unfolded my role to say, this is what I want to share, share with people um, how they can be happier and help them to realize that they can build habits into their lifestyle so that each and every day they're actively working on their happiness and um, not leaving it to chance. And this does not mean that I don't become sad. This does not mean that I don't become angry or um, depressed. I go through all of those emotions because that's our human makeup. But what I have learned is I bounce back quicker from those. And I also Mm -hmm. become aware when I am in those realms to decide, do I want to stay here or do I want to shift out? And if I choose to shift out and I know I can do this practice, I can do this or I can call this person, and that will help me to shift out of those. So it's a case of embracing the less empowering emotions, being aware of, being aware of those, but not holding on to them and not lingering with them as maybe as long as we can often do. And choosing to say, yep, I've understood this emotion. I felt it. It's, it's fine. It's served its purpose. Now let me shift to moving forward and choose a different response. So those were the things there. And the other thing I learned from learning about happiness and the positive emotions is when we're in the positive emotion mode, what we're doing is we're opening up the learning centers in our brain. We're going from victim mode to solution. So we're not looking at problems, we're finding solutions. So we're not getting stuck and caught up where we are. We're able to find a way forward. We can have hope and optimism and, you know, uh, find a path forward. So that's one thing that's come through there. And Sean Acker, he's a science of happiness researcher, 
And one of the things he's shared is our brain on positive is 31% more productive than when negative, neutral, or stressed. And that made perfect sense to me because I've been in that stress situation and I know my brain wasn't working. And I've been in that um, uh, situation when I'm inspired and positive and just, you know, able to just, you know, go into the flow and get on and do a lot of things. So that made a lot of sense. So that helps me to remind that I can choose to be more in the positive energy and able to do more things. And that when I'm positive or when I'm grateful, at the same time, I can't be angry, sad or depressed. I can't feel those emotions at the same time. So the more often I can stay in the positive emotions, the less I can feel off, the less, what I'll call them negative emotions or the less empowering emotions. So that was another aspect there. And the third was with that aspect of the learning centers opening up and us finding a, you know, a path, it meant that my resilience got better. So when I set back happened, as life will throw you challenges, I was able to not fall as far, but bounce back quicker as well. And that I've seen happen over the last few years, uh, very much so. So, and so those were, you know, compelling reasons for me uh, on this journey. Yeah, that's so interesting. That combination of the science and the spirit and the interrelation between the two. Mm. I've got a whole heap of questions on that. And obviously that awareness leading to that resilience that you talked about you know the positive psychology helping you with that resilience can you tell us a bit more about the science of happiness absolutely yeah so the science of happiness is started as what um, was originally known as uh, or is still known as positive psychology so martin seligman and a few others were exploring this space so up to that stage the psychologists were asking you know, the question, what makes people depressed? And that's what they were studying. But Martin Seligman turned the question on its head and said, instead of asking what makes people depressed, let's ask what makes people happy. And that opened up this whole field of positive psychology and various pioneers in that space, you know, looked at mindfulness, gratitude, compassion, forgiveness, and a whole other uh, areas. And what they did was they would have a control group and then they would have the study group. And they would give them various um, practices to do, whether it was, you know, journaling or doing an act of kindness or those kind of things. And what they would have done is various things beforehand of either asking the people to fill out a, a survey and then they would ask them to fill out a survey, at, you know, after the experiment. Or they would take the, the pulse or the, um, the blood pressure or, you know, a, a blood sample and see what the composition of that was or do a brain scan. So various things were measured and checked for these different experiments. And what they found was that compared to the control group, uh, the groups which were doing these various practices had shifts and changes occur. So it might be, you know, the stress chemicals becoming less in the system and the happier chemicals, dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, endorphins uh, being released and being higher compared to the control group or through the surveys, the self-assessment and why is, you know, people saying that, you know, they have a better outlook in life or brain scan wise, they could see different parts of the brain lighting up, which you know, were maybe more on the prefrontal cortex than the old parts of the brain or ones related to emotions and so forth. So they saw these different shifts and, and changes occur and, and continued, you know, doing these experiments and concluded that, you know, these compared to the control group, these are some of the benefits that we could see. You know, for example, with mindfulness, kindness and gratitude, all three of them help reduce stress. So it's, it's been shown scientifically that when we practice these three different aspects, our stress will come down. With gratitude, when that's been practiced on a regular basis, people sleep longer and they have a better quality sleep. And in this day and age, we know, you know, uh, that uh, sleep is, is uh, again, one of our top number one self-care things that we need to do. If we don't have our adequate sleep, um, we are not uh, going to be functioning as well as we could be, as well as our health is going to be impacted. So for me, health, happiness, and the human are based on four dimensions. So there's the physical, which is the body. 
there's the mental, which is the mind, and we know, you know, mental health is, you know, uh, uh, getting more awareness now. There's the social and emotional. I put those two together. So emotional, emotional intelligence and emotional well-being we've come across. Social is relationships. We know from you know the blue zone studies as well as you know the work by um, John Gottman that people who have strong social connections and relationships live longer and have better well-being and healthier lives and more meaning and purpose. And then the fourth one being the spiritual realm. And all four of these are things which are connected with each other, but all four are ones which we need to nurture and look after. We can't just focus on the physical and just do exercise. We've got to, you know, do the exercise. We've got to do stuff for our mental health. We've got to do stuff for our emotional and social as well as our spiritual and nurture all of them. And that's where the things I share are there to help nurture habits into all, all of those realms and have that. And when we are able to nurture all of these, then we can feel more whole and less disconnected and we're able to feel balance and you know that feeds into the work-life balance aspect as well because um, with the work-life balance the bit that's often missing and I prefer to use work-life harmony instead of work-life balance because balance kind of indicates you've got equal amounts of each but no work is part of life and or, or can be a part of life but life coaches will tell us you know there's you know six seven eight nine ten different things which can be in the circle of life that we can, you know, map out. But it's a case of being aware of, you know, areas which are important to us and making sure we are nurturing those areas and spending time in those areas and working in those areas. And funnily enough, some of those areas are the things which are good for our happiness. So, you know, health and social connections and learning and, you know, faith or values or beliefs and all of these kind of things. Shailene, there's so much I can ask you. One of the things I think that would be really helpful is if I take you back to near the beginning and ask you to set out what the seven habits are. Ah, oh, perfect. <laughs> so this is one of my favourites um, kind of questions. So Stephen Covey, he you know, looked at all the wisdom literature over many years and boiled down to um, seven habits or seven principles that are there, which capture for us to be highly effective. And these are, so the full title of the book is The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, not just effective people, but highly effective. And the subtitle is a book for personal change, if I remember correctly. So personal change is where it comes to, it's changing ourselves and then through that, you know, we have an impact. So those seven habits, the seventh habit is the one which captures all of them, which is called sharpen the saw. And that's all about working on ourselves, Kaizen, self-improvement, and being, you know, improving of those things. And it's improving those four dimensions I talked to you about, the mm. physical, mental, spiritual, emotional, and, uh, and doing those. So it's regular sharpening of the saw. So the, if, if we don't sharpen the saw, it's going to be blunt and it's not going to be able to chop, chop wood or cut things. So it's making sure that we're regularly investing in our personal development, our spiritual development, in our growth. So that's the seventh one. The other six are split into two parts. So there's three, which is for uh, personal victory. And then there's another three, which is for public victory. And the journey is going from being dependent to being independent to being interdependent. So that's the journey the book takes you through or the, the habits. Do. So the three which are um, personal victory are, first one is be proactive. So by being proactive, it means we take responsibility. We can't play the blame game. We're responsible for what we feel. We're responsible for what happens to us. We take control of the things we can control. And we also become aware of the things we can't control. So there's you know circle of concern, concern circle of influence, and uh, the idea being, you know, focus on the things you can control and put your energies into that. So be proactive. And by being proactive, we take responsibility and we take control. So that's the first one. The second one is begin with the end in mind. So this is about what's your goal? What's your mission? What's your purpose? Be aware of where you want to head, what your life's about. Look, be aware of that and map that out. And, you know, it's the exercise of, you know, so you see yourself at your funeral and, what would you like to be said about you? 
by your friends, by your work colleagues, by your community members, by your faith um, uh, groups, uh, by your neighbours. And what you would like to be said by yourself is then what you're working towards of living each day and developing those qualities, those virtues, and that way of living so that at the end of your life, that's, you know, what can be said. So begin with the end mind. So know what the mission is, what, what you're about, or I guess in a sense, know what your sense of purpose is, uh, and, you know, developing that. And then the third one is first things first. So this is about time management. So once you know what your life's about and what you, where you're heading, get rid of the distractions and focus on the things which are important to help you meet those. And it talks about, you know, focusing on the big rocks. So identify what are the things which are important to you, what the big rocks are, and put your time and energy into working those. So if family is important, if work is important, if learning is important, if spending time in nature is important, schedule those into your calendar first so that they are happening before you let other things come in. And it's also being aware of things which can distract us, which are like, you know, crisis of, you know, emergency phone calls or too much leisure time. Um, we can binge watch too much the TV if we choose to. But what we can do is be aware of how much TV uh, we're watching and maybe reduce that and use some of that time to work on our plans, our goals, our values. So if we work with those, then we become moving from dependent to being independent. And that's the public, sorry, the private victory. Then the other three are about working with everyone else. So that's the whole world, everyone else. And these are about relationships. So I can't remember the actual order of four, five, and six, but one of them is win-win, think win-win. So the idea is that when we're thinking win-win, we're looking at both parties of that um, the relationship or that interaction winning and not one feeling, you know, that they've lost. So whether it's negotiations or whether it's like this podcast here, we're thinking win-win where both parties benefit from that interaction. Uh, if we go in with lose-lose or win-lose, it, it's not a great place to be. But if we go with win-win, the energy is different and the outcomes can be very much different. So that's uh, one. The other, uh, the, uh, the fifth one is synergy. The whole idea that when we collaborate, one plus one can equal not two, but five, six, seven, eight, nine, or 10. So it's all about collaboration and working with others and realizing that what I can produce is a certain amount, but what we can produce together is a lot more than what we can produce individually. So that's, you know, for me, uh, that sense of community and that sense of collaboration and working with others and works very well with the whole win-win as well. And then the, the sixth one, which I think is, again, one of the most important ones uh, is seek first to understand, then to be understood. And this is all about our interactions with others and that aspect of really listening to what the other person is saying and really to understand where they're coming from, what they're trying to say to us before we say to them what we want to say. So often we're caught up where someone says something and we just want to jump in and say something, yeah, that happened to me or this happened or this is how I dealt with it without even letting that person finish their sentence. And, you know, the example that's shared in the book is I wear glasses say, uh, uh, Juline or Hassan, you come to me and say, you've got this problem. And I say, hey, I take my glasses, you'll be able to see fine. But no, your prescription is different from my prescription of glasses. So that is not going to work. But if I waited and really listened to what you're saying and what the, uh, uh, what you want to share, then I'd be able to maybe recommend and say, okay, I understand what you, what I've done is gone to the optician, I've got prescription pair of glasses, that's helped me to see clearer. Maybe that's what could work for you. And that, uh, and that is how that one works. And that mastering those three, which is our relationships and working with others, gives us the public victory. So first work on yourself, then work with everyone else. And at the same time, work on all of those um, to be improving yourself. And that's the seven habits. And that's so been part of my life for the last 25 years plus. So I have, for full disclosure, I actually have the book. But I have never read it, so you have inspired me to read it now. So thank you for that. Thank you for going through that. That's, that's no really problem. interesting. You're welcome. And the thing I will say is, with a book, it, it, 
it's not going to be one read that's going to do it. It's one where you're going to dip in now and then and read mm. it and do the exercises and do the work. On that, you know, reading of that book, you know, in my um, early 20s, so more than 25 years ago, I went through that book and, you know, loved the stories, loved the analogies and worked through it. And, you know, through that, the mission statement, my personal mission statement was helped create it. And that's then driven everything I've done thereafter. And habits, you know, it, it just keeps coming back to habits. And hence, you know, the company that I set up, it's happy life habits. So happiness is there. It's about life. And it's about habits because we can be motivated, but without habits, we, well, we and Jim Rohn says, you know, the personal development mentor, motivation is what gets you started, but it's habit that keeps you going. Absolutely. And so that's um, you know, a, a key aspect of the stuff I do. So I help hopefully motivate people and inspire them, but also work with them to build habits so that they can keep going. And it's not just a short time, you know, impact. Yeah, and that application makes it sustainable as well, doesn't it? Absolutely. And it's all about, you know, the practice and the consistency and the rewiring of the brain. So, you know, if we want to develop mindfulness, if we want to develop um, a gratitude practice, or if we want to develop, you know, walking 10,000 steps, it's the regular practice every day that we need to do. And those practices help rewire the brain and create new grooves, which then becomes a way of being. Thank you. I want to ask you, take you back a bit um, to Tony Robbins and to ask you, was there anything you needed to overcome to do that fire walk? Any fear? Any? Oh, absolutely. Because we had gone into it. I can't even remember if we knew if there was going to be a fire walk or not. I think we mm. maybe did because um, my cousin had introduced us to that. But at that stage, like I said, I didn't know anything about personal development. I really didn't know much about Tony Robbins, and I didn't know how that weekend was going to unfold. But the process he took us through that uh, afternoon and evening was about shifting the mindset, shifting beliefs, and opening up new possibilities. And so a lot of work was done during that time to get us into that state, which is what he talks about, you know, this physiology and the state and that going to that peak state, which it, again I, I see as you know positive emotion state, and with that visualizing yourself walking through and getting to the other end. So again, you know, begin with the end in mind <laughs> comes through, and you know, rehearsing it a, a few times, visually in your head, seeing it, create you know, creating that new pattern, and then when we did that walk and got through to the other end. It was just joy and elation and a, a, a real high. Like I said, you know, till three, four in the morning, we were just buzzing and chatting about it, getting ready to go next morning at eight o'clock or nine o'clock for the next session. But that experience, and especially because it was a shared experience with family and friends, really shifted limiting beliefs aspect, as well as, as I said, opened this whole world up to me. So not everyone is going to know about the firewall. So you've told us how you prepared for it and yes. how you felt overcoming limiting beliefs. But what was the fire walk? Let us hear yes. what it was you actually achieved. No, that's a fair point. So what was done was at the venue, outside there were hot coals put on the ground. It was maybe two metres worth. I can't remember how what this is. But hot coals, which was stoked during the... Uh, after, well, it, during the evening and you, you were brought out a few times, you just saw the the coals and you saw the embers burning and you could see the hot coals there and you were prepared mentally to be told that you will be walking on these hot coals from one end to the other and you will not burn your feet. So, and you were reminded that what you're, when you were walking on those hot coals, imagine you're just walking on cool, wet grass. So that was what... Um, your mind was thinking, that's what it was believing. And as we know, the mind doesn't know between reality and imagination, uh, can't differentiate. So what we put into our subconscious uh, can play out. And so that's what we were prepped up to do. And then in the evening, we all came out, we got ourselves into, got our physiology right. So we weren't slouching, we were standing confident, standing tall. We got our energies right. We got in, ourselves into the peak state. 
we had rehearsed a victory dance at the other end once we you know walked through uh, so we were visualizing that and then <laughs> we stepped up walked across those hot coals uh, not run but walked but at a rapid pace but not um, got to the other end wiped our feet and realized we've just you know walked across hot coals which with that all that preparation would probably mean we would have you know got some burnt embers on our feet yes (laughs) one last thing about that experience with tony robbins and to where you are now what is the best message that you've got from tony robbins that still resonates with you now i will not keep it to one i'll keep it to two or three. Oh, that's fine what, yeah. yeah so one of them is your past does not equal your future that message i remember loud and clear so our past does not define us it does not equal our future so that is there and that again you know ties in with the stephen Covey stuff of being proactive and taking responsibility and you know taking action is the other one not just you know uh, thinking about things but take action role, learn from role models People who've either been down that path before you, you know, mentors and that, who've achieved what you want to achieve, model them because, you know, success leads to its mindset, it's the way they talk, the way they, the beliefs they have. So that aspect is there. And I remember about physiology and peak state being things which can shift our uh, thoughts and, and language. So how we talk to ourselves and to others has an impact. You know, language has an energy. How we hold ourselves physiology-wise, can shift the energy within us. If we slouch, we can feel sad. If we stand upright, we can feel confident and positive. So if we are feeling uh, uh, an emotion or energy that it's not uh, we want to feel, we can change our physiology and that can change the emotion. So emotion equals emotion, I remember uh, being one of the other mantras. And that whole aspect of you know being aware of what our beliefs are and that we have limiting beliefs and that, you know, we can shift them and, you know, create new ones. And that whole other message he had was like off a CD or a record player, which has got grooves in there. And that's our patterns and that's our beliefs. And if we want to change the record, we've got to scratch out uh, the path and the grooves it has and create a, a new set. And that is about, you know, building new habits, new beliefs and um, new set of values and then new behaviors come from it so shifting that thinking and uh, practice so those are some of the messages there and i still you know enjoy listening to uh, various bits of tony robbins and videos and things and again one of the big ones that has come through from listening to him over time is gratitude being such a big aspect of his life and similarly you know hearing from other um personal development speakers, as well as spiritual teachers, gratitude is another thing. And that's, for me, you know, gratitude is one of my core values and it's one of the things I, you know, teach and train on. Okay, thank you. I wasn't going to ask this one, but I think this is a good question to ask. Earlier on, you were talking about work-related stress and how there was a lot of things going on at the time, but I'm thinking about what people are going through now. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what's happening in the world now and the changes people are experiencing and anxiety that's yep. rising from all areas. You, you were just talking about language, the energy of language. Do you have any thoughts about how people can navigate work-related stress? in a way that they have the energy, right, to employ some of the habits that you were just talking about? Yeah, so with um, the language, uh, uh, and not just work really, but with what's going on in the world, one of the things we've got to do is be aware of what we listen to and what we consume. So as, you know, uh, the war in Ukraine's unfolded or as the pa- pandemic unfolded, many of us were glued to the TV, watching and listening uh, or having it on in the background and not realising we're consuming that and it's coming into our um, uh, subconscious. So one of the things is, you know, be aware of what we're consuming and maybe reduce 
the consumption of things which are not supportive and uh, to, to our needs and which are um, uh, yeah which are um, supportive to our needs and a lot of the time the news is negative it, it, you know it, it, there's not so much positive news and the world is based on negative bias because you know from my evolutionary point of view so one of the things is you know shift that language from it being okay this is rubbish or this is happening in this way or this doesn't work out for me to you know one of the questions that i ask myself and it's part of the journal i use um uh, for my happiness is you know what's one of the great things that happened today or what three good things happened to you today you ask that question on a regular basis the rewiring happens and you look for the good you will find the good and again you know comes to the tony robbins one you know what you focus on becomes your reality if you're going to look at the negative, you're going to just keep seeing the negative. If you look on the positive, you'll see more positive and you'll see more good. So that's one part. The other is we are sometimes uh, uh, let our inner critic and uh, our, our, yeah, our, our deprecating self-talk get the heart, get the better of us. And what we've got to do is, you know, remind ourselves that, you know, sometimes the negative talk or the inner self-talk is just talking rubbish and to remind ourselves of um, that you know what we have achieved what we have managed and that what we can do and uh, again all too often you know we put ourselves down or we say i can't do it so you know someone else can do it but i can't do it and you know limiting ourselves so how we talk to ourselves in our heads is going to play a part one thing that can help or two things which can help with that is practice on mindfulness becoming aware of our thoughts and our feelings uh, can help uh, the other is journaling so getting it out of our heads and getting it on paper can help and in the workplace you know if someone says um, something to you which is um, said in a way which makes you feel uh, low depending on uh, the opportunity in the situation, maybe just if the opportunity is there to just, you know, have that conversation to say, you know, when you've said this, this is how I felt. And by feeling this, this is, you know, impacted me being able to do this. Not so easy, I know, to um, do this in the workplace, but I think many workplaces are becoming more aware of uh, the benefits of happiness and well-being in the workplace and how that hits the bottom line. And that, you know, it's not just a case of perform, perform, perform. There needs to be support in that performance. Um, and it's, you know, mental health support and it's emotional support. A lot of companies are now looking at not, you know, uh, just looking at people's IQs or even just forgetting IQs and grades, but looking at their um, emotional uh, intelligence and how they are in terms of their own emotional well-being or uh, 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 and how they also are aware of other people's emotions and that i think is going to play a bigger bigger part because we're in a world where if we are able to be better aware of other people's emotions and what they're going through and sometimes we can't see this because what's going on mentally and emotionally sometimes is just here and not expressed but the more we can become aware of that and yeah be aware of it and help those who um help those who are going through it and ourselves the better we can provide the performance as well as you know uh, the change in the there that they're trying to work through that's one part the other one related to that i was just thinking yeah it, 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 it's about in the workplace we're often you know a bit more cold and hard and not employing so much of the soft skills and I think one of the soft skills that will lead to better leaders, better managers, and better work people is mm. kindness and compassion. Mm. And if we are able to bring that to the table and show in our talk, the way we talk, in the way we behave with people, kindness, compassion, we will build better teams and we'll build better workplaces. And, you know, with lots of changes going on over the last few years and will continue to do so, 
that will make a massive difference to the people who are um, working there in terms of um, them staying as well as you know being able to perform better and as well as loyalty uh, wise so i think yeah kindness and compassion Mm. thank you because i wanted to ask you a bit more about the emotional intelligence so i think i would just ask you then how can leaders bring more emotional intelligence into the way they motivate staff? Yeah, I think the answer to this is, like with most things, one is a sense of awareness and investment in learning and practicing skills. So it's not just a case of you know, reading a book and going on a course. That, those play a role. But having that motivation that I do want to make a difference in the way I lead. And if I want to do that, then I've got to upskill. And in that upskill, it is a case of learning some new knowledge, but also practicing that new knowledge. And that's where I think the difference is, you know, many times in my workplace, there was, you know, this course or that course or this initiative going on in the workplace. And, you know, everyone would go on that. And then you see a lot of managers you know, give lip service to it, but it wouldn't follow through in their uh, actions and behaviours. And you're thinking, you know, they're telling us, you know, this is how we want to be and this is the culture we want and this is what the way we want to behave. Yet you've done the course, got the tick boxes, but the way you're acting and behaving just as well. So for many, it was that aspect of just tick boxing, say I've done the course, but not actually living it. And that's where I think it, there is a... A, a difference. Yeah. Thank you. And staying with learning, I want, and you mentioned this quite a few times. So, one of the things you said that was really important to you was about the constant and consistency in learning. So, what have you learnt most recently and why was this important? Yeah, no, so I am uh, learning regularly. One of the things that uh, as Happy Life Habits we've got running since last summer is a mastermind group and what we do is uh, we use a platform and uh, uh, everyone takes part in learning on that platform um, at their own pace and then we come together and we share our learnings we share our insights and we share how we're applying what we've learned and some of those um, things might be say for example one of the modules we learned was on learning itself. So it had, you know, 10, 11 ideas on uh, how best to learn, um, pulled from various books and so forth, but also had um, summaries of these different books. So each person took one of these books. So I had one book, someone else had a different book, someone else had a different book. And when we came together, we shared what we had crossed that. So what that did was instead of me having to read 10, 11 books, I got some input of um, the key ideas from those books in that learning environment all linked with that shared module that we all did on learning. So that's one part. I spend almost every day, if not every day, um, uh, most days, either reading is less for me now. So I've got a stack of books, brilliant bookshelf and more books in boxes, which um, that, you know covered 25 years on, you know, personal development, on finance, on spirituality, and a whole bunch of others. It's, 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 a, it's a real gem of a collection. But uh, what I find now is I don't have so much time in reading those books. I used to when I used to commute, and I used to up to two years ago. But now I am finding with the digital age, the audible, yeah, the audible books helping to absorb information, as well as digital platforms and courses to help absorb um, information and YouTube. So there's that. And I, last year I um, did, I think it was a six week, seven week coaching course uh, on positive intelligence. So took part in that. And currently, you know, I'm doing another coaching course where, again, there's regular aspects. So in that way, it's a case of, I'm investing in my learning by learning from other mentors and other people. And I'm also 
learning from my own experiences. And that's what I'm bringing to the table. So when I am sharing um, a, 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 a training course or a workshop or that, I share things from the science of happiness. I share what I've gathered from other speakers and authors like referred to Tony Rollins and Stephen Covey and Robbie Shermer and Deepak Chopra and all of these uh, variety where I've you know, picked out bits. I bring those things and I bring my own experience of, you know, this is how I dealt with grief when my father passed away. This is how I dealt with stress in the working environment. This is how I dealt, you know, uh, have improved my relationship. And this is how I've, you know, worked on being um, more productive and bring those things there. And I also, you know, highlight and share that, you know, I don't have all the answers, but I, you know, am working on regular, you know, improvement in getting to know more answers for myself as well as to be able to then share those insights with others. And knowing that I also learn from others. So the mastermind group's great where we learn from each other as, as well as, you know, um, books and podcasts and that. And yes, all of this does take time, but if you see the value in it, then you will um, uh, choose to do that. And again, you know, that first things first comes into play where my TV time and that is less, <laughs> this is more, and also my social time with, in terms of relationships is very important. So I invest in that because I know the benefits of that. So that's how I choose to. Uh, structure of my life. <laughs> Thank you. So we recently celebrated Happiness Day, didn't we? Yes, the UN celebrates the International Day of Happiness each year on the 20th of March. And it's been around for about 10 years now. And it's the UN's way of just making everyone remember that everyone has, you know, a right to happiness and well-being. And for the last five, six years, you know, I've had opportunity to partake in those celebrations, either attending things that by other organisations and having you know, some fantastic experiences, and for the last three years, hosting stuff as Happy Life Habits to um, you know, share and celebrate and remind people about happiness, as well as bring people together to um, share their skills and experience, as well as you know, have that sense of connection and community. And so... I wanted you to tell us a bit more about how you celebrated it this year and thinking about, as you spoke earlier on, about community and collaboration. Yeah, so back in the start of the year, around January, so a few months before the international event, the various social media and where it's through my um, emails and stuff, I communicated out that, you know, uh, going to be celebrating International Happiness on this day, and uh, we are looking to have people who want to take part and share on that day. So it could be you could be sharing um, laughter yoga, you could be sharing mindfulness, you could be if you're an author of a book, you can share um, a book reading, but things which are related to happiness and well-being uh, in that manner. So self-care was one, uh, and so various about fifteen. Uh, uh, practitioners of various sorts and authors and uh, uh, all around good people said, uh, you know, they're happy to take part and join me in uh, doing this. And we used a platform called Wonder, which is different from Zoom and Teams, which allows concurrent events to be run at the same time and people can uh, move from one to the other. So if you think of like the Eiffel Home Exhibition or a trade show where you've got like the gardening zone and you've got the kitchen zone and you've got the living room zone, we had different zones like that, and we had individual stalls for the various speakers as well as you know, these zones, and scheduled over that two and a half hour period, half hour sessions. So uh, not everyone wouldn't be have been able to go to everything, so they ha would have to choose, and uh, and they were able to freely kind of move from one session to another or one stage to another, uh, at own pace and free will. So we had that. So we had things like that. So that was a collaboration in working with others and giving them an opportunity to share what they're passionate about, share their skills. And again, you know, through the website and emails, promoting their um, services and you know, profiles and so forth. But also an opportunity where they are able to share to the public who come along 
something they're passionate about and have that. So it was a win-win-win situation in that manner. And, you know, that little bit of feedback I have had from some of the attendees of, um, whether I did really, you know, enjoy that experience and enjoyed the platform and that ability to, you know, move around, choose, and had a different energy and so forth. So, yeah, that's what uh, <laughs> we did. So that was the collaboration. You said community as well. So yes. Community is a big aspect for me. So Happy Life Habits has a community on uh, Facebook, and most of the events I do, I look to having some sort of community aspect of having people come together and have a sense of connection. Because again, with that relationships and with connection, it's a great uh, uh, importance for our happiness. Um, that was, And we talked about Robin Williams at the beginning. One of the quotes I shared during Mental Health Awareness Week, uh, which you know we'll be celebrating in May is, you know, Robin Williams, I think the quote uh, he shared was something along the lines of, you know, I used to think the worst thing in the world was being alone. It's not. The worst thing is being with people who make you feel alone. And that was like, wow, really, you know. And obviously we know Robin Williams made lots of people laugh. He made a great genre of different, you know, fantastic films. But unfortunately, the loneliness and the mental health, you know, got to him and he, you know, took his own life where he had still so much more to give. And, uh, that sense of connection is important for me. And you know, this year's mental health awareness theme is on loneliness. And Brené Brown, again, so his connection is, you know, why we're here. It's, you know, again, one of the most important things. So that's been a big part of the work I do in the way I do the work. Mm. Okay, so I want to ask you, you know, staying with positively impacting people's happiness and well-being levels, can you tell us when your next event will happen in May? Yep. Can you tell us how people can find you and find out more and be involved? And I think, lastly, I want you to give us something to take away because you've shared so much today. Is that okay? Absolutely, <laughs> yes. So we have... Um, events happening on and off throughout the year but a couple of the key ones which are forthcoming in May one is mental health awareness week so I think it's 10th of May onwards that will be um, running for the week and for the last two years I've supported mental health awareness week by doing various things so on the happy life habits website um, information on that will be shared and again I'm looking to also have collaborations occur where if people have um, experienced mental health awareness and in particular have a story they want to share about loneliness or are a practitioner in the mental health awareness field and want to share, raise that awareness, I'm looking to do something each day during that week, maybe in the morning, maybe in the evening, maybe both, as well as bringing people together for a sense of connection. So it might be some kind of um, fun activity we'll be doing where we can bring people together and they can get to know each other and ask questions and play a game or something in that manner on a virtual platform. So that's one part. And the other one is my flagship 30-day um, gratitude habit journal, um, uh, gratitude journal habit immersion training course. So that starts on the 1st of May and throughout that whole month, we help people build the habit of gratitude as well as journaling. And support them step by step each day with accountability with live zoom calls as well as a private facebook group and you start gently and just build up week by week so that at the end of the month they have got at least two habits it's more than two we develop but at least two habits related to gratitude and journaling which then serves them for the rest of time um, so that is uh, another and again Gratitude and journaling are both great for mental health and emotional well-being. Um, the workshops I share, you know, all of, a lot of the benefits which are available from that, as well as using the science of habits. So Stephen Covey's stuff, Atomic Habits by James Clear, as well as other material on how to build habits, I bring through in a journal habit workshop. That's one I'm really been excited about. And it came about during the pandemic. 
So when we were in the pandemic, I was sharing back gratitude a lot. I had the journal. I've been using it for the last six, seven years. Some people had bought that journal for me and hadn't used it. So it's like, you know, how can I help people use that journal and get these benefits? And so Mental Health Awareness Week we did. And on the back of it, we said, if you want to take it further, you know, next week, you know, beginning of June, we're going to be um, uh, doing this course for 30 days. Come on board and, you know, do that. And uh, since then, we've you know, been running that course uh, two or three times a year and seeing some real benefits. On a personal note, I did the course in June, July, September and November that year. And that helped my positive energy change. It helped with the rewiring. It helped with understanding. And in December of that year, my father passed away quite suddenly, two weeks before Christmas. And um, the way I dealt with the grief in this scenario compared to a year ago when my friend had passed away was very different. And I think a lot of that aspect of focusing on the gratitude and getting our thoughts and emotions out, as well as the rewiring of the brain, as well as building that resilience, helped me to, and uh, the spiritual learning as well, helped me to deal with that grief in a, a most positive manner. And hence, from that was born a talk called Positive Grief, which I share as well. Oh, that's a lot. Yeah, and the mental health awareness stuff um, should be free. So uh, details will be on the website and on where so, um, the social medias. And the gratitude course does have a cost to it, but it's still uh, um, really good value. And for listeners of the podcast, uh, and for me, what I've got is a 20-minute one-to-one as a bonus included as part of that uh, as well. And you get you know, a nice, good, hardbound gratitude, uh, sorry, happiness journal which is based on five positive psychology practices, three in the morning, two in the later in the day. You get accountability and you know, a, a, a full support in helping to build those habits and feel um, connected with a community. And all of that information is available on the Happy Life Habits uh, website, so happylifehabits.co.uk, and also an, an alternative if you want to be connected via any socials is Linktree. So it's Linktree where there's the dot between the TR, uh, after the TR dot EE forward slash happy life habits. And that um, let me be connected on the various socials as well. Brilliant. Okay. So we, we know where to find you. We know what to expect. And before we draw the podcast to a close, is there any last thoughts you would like to share with the listeners? Absolutely. So, um, the thought I'd like to share is, firstly, big gratitude to both of you for giving me the opportunity to share and share what I love and I'm passionate about. I really thoroughly enjoyed our time together. And it helps me serve my mission of possibly impacting people's happiness and well-being levels. So thank you for that. Second is, if you are ever feeling low or not as happy as you want to be, remember you can choose to do things. So raise your awareness, make a choice, and then take action. And you can do things like practicing gratitude, practicing mindfulness, you can read about those, you can learn about those from various people. And if you want help in uh, developing those as habits, you can get in touch with us. And a couple of things you can do is you can ask yourself, what am I grateful for? Uh, what was great about, or what three good things happened to me today? And, you know, uh, and also what did I learn? So those are a you know, couple of things that, we can ask ourselves and reflect and improve our well-being. Well, I can definitely say I'm grateful that we had this time today. I know Sam will say there were so many things that mm -hmm. you shared with us. You gave us so many things to think about. And what was really good, it was reminding us of choice, which is so important in anything that we do. And one of the words I will definitely take away is shift and the importance yeah. of um, shifting. So thank you. Thank and you. I'm sure we will cross paths again. Definitely. Thank you so much. Thank you. Most welcome.
Thank you for joining us today on the Wednesday Woo Show. You can find us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and also coming soon on Clubhouse. Or find us at thewednesdaywooshow.com and subscribe to our update. Tune in next Wednesday to hear another amazing episode of the Wednesday Woo Show. See you next week. The information contained in this podcast is provided for entertainment and information purposes only. The contents of this podcast are not intended to amount to advice and you should not rely on any of the contents of this podcast if you require medical treatment, in which case medical or professional advice should be obtained before taking or refraining from any action as a result of this podcast. The Wednesday Woo Show disclaims all liability and responsibility arising from any reliance placed on any of the contents of this podcast. Thank you.